in a dark world filled with deceit. One united voice is crying out. Revealing the truth of God's word. It's time to expose the hidden truth. And unravel the lies. While we're living in Satan's little season. With Sister Crystal and Brother Phil. Welcome to Living in Satan's Little Season Show. We're your hosts. Sister Crystal. Brother Phil. The topic today, the time of the end. This will be an interesting one because we're going over primarily Daniel and his end time prophecies. Right. And before I start, I would like to apologize because sometimes I, I get excited about what, you know, my, my, my position, my two earth eschatology, and I haven't articulated how I've come to a lot of my conclusions. And this is part of the thing I, I, I do. I study all this stuff out and I, I study all these scriptures and all these prophecies out. And then when I realize it's like, okay, well, wait a minute now. There's a lot of them that back up what I think or what my position is, but I don't explain that to you. I just kind of give you, okay, this is what, you know, really the Bible teaches, but I don't explain to you how I came to that through all these Old Testament prophecies that support this whole teaching. Well, really what it is, instead of handing you a plate with the food kind of cut and easily you could bite and chew, you're just putting it all out there (laughs) and... Without really dividing and, and really, I mean, you, you do that to a degree, but you really, you're trying to get the information out there so people can kind of, in their time, and slowly read and see and listen to. And maybe it just it needs a little more clarity, but hopefully also the spirit will help everyone as they listen to understand it a little more clearer. The message, it's not so hard to understand, it just probably needs a little more clarification also through the spirit of God. Most of these Biblical prophecies have been fulfilled. Okay, mm-hmm. So what we should be able to do, if that's absolutely true, we should go to any place in the Bible, any prophecy in the Bible, and we should put ourselves, okay, where has this been fulfilled at in the biblical timeline? Right. And see, that's what I'm doing now. I'm going through all these parts of the Bible, and I'm, I'm saying, okay, where has this been fulfilled? Not Today, we're going to go over primarily Daniel's prophecy, especially is Daniel 9 and Daniel chapter 12, and see where those ones were fulfilled. Of course, most preachers these days, they think, oh, no, these haven't been fulfilled yet. Right. So Daniel had a prophecy literally 2,500 years ago that haven't been fulfilled yet. We're still waiting on all the, the fulfillment of all these prophecies. Obviously, it's like, well, that's been a long time for a prophecy to be kind of hanging out in the lurches. What you know? Of course, my position is no; these have been fulfilled, but people don't understand and miss what those fulfillments are. Right. So you know, obviously, a lot of other people, their job isn't really that hard. 
you know, if there's something that the Bible doesn't make sense, oh, well, that hasn't been fulfilled yet. When my job is, well, I'm saying that it has been fulfilled, so I've got to, like, my job is much more difficult because now I have to say, okay, where, okay, here's prophecy here. Where, where does this fit in the timeline? How has this been fulfilled? And so I have to go and figure out where to put all these ones in the timeline. And obviously, I, they all fit. I haven't read any of them that I've, that I've discovered. Like, I have no idea where this was fulfilled. Right. No, they all fit completely into my two earth eschatology that I teach here. But, uh, most of the other ones, they can't they explain, or they spiritualize them, or they make them, you know, this is how they have to get them fulfilled, is that they have to be some kind of spiritual fulfillment, or, oh, and that that's in heaven or something. I, no, I, I say these are literal fulfillments of these prophecies. Well, and that's the thing. I think there are some hard areas to really get wrap your brain around. They're really difficult to understand in the context of how people are ex expecting things to fall in line right now with what you've already shared the two earths that makes these a lot easier to kind of pinpoint where they should go but a lot of people in the, the way without thinking of that you know the the two earths they're like oh i just can't explain it i'm just gonna like um set it over here or i'm just gonna leave it out or like you said they haven't been fulfilled yet yeah right. they, they they simply haven't been done yet that's coming in our future sometime right and then yeah. they brush it off as though we just maybe we're not meant to understand it maybe it's because they also they interject what they want see what we have to do as believers is not put ourselves in the mix but look at it from an out of the box how does this all work out and are we included in this timeline or is it something that has already happened and we can just see how it had already unfolded and too often people want to include themselves as though they're really important and they should be included in those time those events in the timeline let's start with daniel chapter 9 today because of course this is the 70 weeks of daniel prophecy of course most churches believe oh this hasn't been fulfilled yet even though it's it's 70 weeks as years so that's 490 year prophecy that, that Daniel gave, and of course that was in you know 500 BC. So it should have been, of course, by the first century, it should have been fulfilled. Right. Which is what I, my my position is. That's exactly when it was fulfilled. Is at 70 AD where the 70 weeks of Daniel prophecy was fulfilled, right. and we're gonna read that. I'm gonna show you how 70 weeks is how how long this that prophecy was. It was 490-year prophecy, and I believe it was completely fulfilled in the first century. And we're going to go over that now to, to start out with, because when the Bible talks about the end, what it really means, because there really is no end, so to speak. It's it's the end of the age. Right. So when Daniel talks about, oh, this is the, 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 the time of the end, he meant the time of the end of the age. That's what he meant. Because, obviously, time kept going afterwards. And even Christ even talks about time continuing on after their age is over. And he, he, he has a scripture. He talks about that. And guess what? We're living in that next age. And even Christ states for a fact there's going to be sin in that next age. It isn't like it's going to be a sin-free life after the age when the age to come came around. Because even Christ declares the next age is going to have sin. Mm. Just like we're living in now. Except we're living in a lot of sin now, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, so let's go ahead and read Daniel 9. Start with verse 24. We're just going to read 24 because 24 has a bunch of information we're going to go over here. Seventy weeks have been determined upon your people and upon the holy city for sin to be ended. 
to seal up transgressions, to blot out iniquities, to make atonement for iniquities, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Okay, that's a lot that happens. That one verse has a ton of information. Seven things are supposed to happen at, at the end of these 70 weeks. And that's 70 weeks as years. If you read on, and we're going to read on here in a moment, we realize, no, it talks about Christ coming, and then he and his, his atonement side of things, and all that. So, But there's the list of things he has that's supposed to be accomplished within those 490 years. Really, there, there's... Seven things that are going to be accomplished. Right. Of course, most people think, oh, those 490 years have been delayed now. What did we read about here? The mystery of the ages delayed it all. Oh, my goodness. That is The ridiculous. mystery of the ages. This is what they're saying. This is why all these things have been delayed. Because it's the mystery of the ages. Delayed all these things, these prophecies that were supposed to take place. Even when, Jesus didn't know the mystery of the yeah, ages. Even Jesus was prophesying all oh, the ages. Because there's all these things. This is what they're saying. This is how they try to, all these prophecies, they get around them by making up these theology that makes no sense at all. Well, that just is ridiculous. And I'll tell you why. That, if Jesus didn't know it and he was a son of God, yeah. how could he be left out of the whole plan that God had? He was a part of that plan. He wouldn't be left out of it. It wasn't like God had a meeting and excluded Jesus. You know, it just, it makes no sense. It's just this theory that these people put out there to explain how things have, uh, why they haven't uh, been achieved or fulfilled in in the timeline, and why they have right. So then it's also them adding to the scriptures, which the Bible tells us: he who adds or takes away, they're going to be in trouble. You know, when I, when I heard this, I'm like, mystery of the ages. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> and this is kind of what they have to do because you read a lot in the New Testament, especially. There's all these. Soon timestamps. I mean, you know, Christ yeah. said, oh, I'm coming again soon. And and so what they do is they say, well, he thought he was going to come soon, but then there was this delay because of the mystery of the ages. When I say this, I'm serious, okay? Now here, of course, I don't think there was no mystery of the age. I think it's all a big lie, a satanic lie to try to explain away what you don't need to explain away that already happened in our past. Well, I'll tell you what it is. It is deception. It is a lie. And those who are perpetrating that theory of mystery of the ages, they're just basically confusing people so that th thinking, one, it's going to happen in the future when it's already happened in the past. They're misconstruing the text and, and deceiving them that way. Another way is what they're doing is they are working for the opposite side of the team, not with Christ, but in his enemies and leading people astray to where they become disillusioned with the Bible. Because scriptures have not been fulfilled. They're not going to be fulfilled because they're saying they will be and they are, are never fulfilled. And so people in their, their lifetime of living will be like, this never happened. And I was told it was going to happen in my lifetime. And so that's yep. going to get people a lot of disillusioned disillusionment from seeing that, that the scriptures may not mean their, their fulfillment will be in our time. That they have already been fulfilled. Why is that so hard for people to understand or to accept? I know that we are in this age where there's a lot of nar narcissistic people and people that have pride and arrogance and, you know, they think about themselves or their only selfish generation is only me. Well, we're not the only people in the world or the only people in, eight, in you know, time frames in, in, in history. There have been people before us. So to think that we only matter, that all these events should happen in our timeline is really 
preposterous. According to 70 weeks of Daniel prophecy here, the city will have, the first thing it says, sin will be ended in that city. Right. No more sin. See, that's this is Jerusalem here, okay? Of course, he's stating, and after 70 weeks, 490 years, there's going to be no more sin in Jerusalem now. Do we look at Jerusalem now? Is there <laughs> any sin going on over there? See, this is how you know that the, there's a fake Jerusalem over there in the Middle East, the theme park one over there. That one is not the real Jerusalem. They don't even claim to be the real. Well, I, you know, I think all, all these towns and all these regions yeah. have been completely just made up over the ages and years. And that's the problem is that everything's been renamed over the centuries that it's like, do we really, are we really sure that's the right city? No, we don't know because everything gets renamed. Right. Even the city I'm living in is pretty re relatively new. I think almost everyone, if they went, they looked at the history of the city that they were living in, they'd be like, they couldn't go back more than a few hundred years and go, well, I, I, this city didn't, didn't, wasn't really around 2,000 years ago. There's nothing that was around. Nobody could go 2,000 years ago. Can you state for a fact you know this city was that you're living in was around 2,000 years ago? No, you, you, nobody can. Because there's been so many resets in history. Well, and that's a problem. That too, but I think that... The evil demonic forces have really did a done a bang up job in confusing and distorting where things were or should be in historical account. They really have just mucked it up. You got sin to be ended in the city. To seal up transgressions that means you're sealing up sin. That's no more sin. Again, another thing. Mm -hmm. You blot out iniquity. In other words, you're getting rid of sin. That's another way of saying sin and iniquity, you know? Right. And to atone for iniquity. That was done with Christ on the cross. Right. He atoned for iniquities. That was within that 70... See, everything, all these seven things were within that 490 years. And, of course, the atonement of our sin, well, we know when that happened. That happened with Jesus Christ on the cross, and he atoned for the sins of mankind. Right. So, yes, that was atonement that was done. So, yes, we know for a fact that one was fulfilled, and most everyone will agree that one was right. fulfilled. They just don't agree on the other ones. Almost everybody will agree, oh, the other ones weren't fulfilled yet, but that one was. <laughs> it's like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, now. That's in the middle of the row of all yeah, these. Yeah, that's in the middle of all these ones. And so you have the fourth one as atoned for iniquity. Well, they would say, yeah, that's Christ on the cross, and I would agree with that. But then they don't want to accept these other ones that were that were fit, that were accomplished too. Bring eternal righteousness to the city. In other words, eternal righteousness, righteousness that would be eternal, ageless like righteousness. There. Right. Seal up visions and prophecies. That means there wasn't going to be any more books of the Bible written. There's no more prophets that were going to... And, of course, Revelation was a vision and prophecy, and that wasn't right. really the last book written. Right. Because that, that was done before 70 AD. And at 70 AD, when all this was to be done and transpired, it, that was it. John was the... Apparently, it kind of seems like, he was the last was, person mm -hmm. to get visions and prophecies to write in, in, in the Bible. And all the other ones were before that. All the other prophets were before that. And he was really the final prophet that got visions and prophecies and after him no more the bible the no more books of the bible written no more visit but see people think this hasn't been accomplished yet so right. this is what creeps in that oh there could be visions of prophecies because it hasn't been fulfilled yet well and the thing so. is is people want that because then they want to include someone from our age or someone as if oh god can still still speak to people with a prophetic word, and that's really rampant right now. Yep. The problem with it is, is that that prophetic word could be coming from the devil, and then people will stamp it as it's coming from God. Yeah, anytime you hear of any 
new prophetic word, you know that is not from God. That's, according to Daniel, it's all done. Right. 70 AD. So today, there could be no more new prophetic words. Well, that's what really, No more new visions. That's what's frustrating because people will also say, oh, they'll say it's a new prophetic word or it's a blessing from God. And we all know that God doesn't work the way evil works. And a lot of people like to put God's stamp of approval on what e evil is doing to accept it. And that's not what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to erase or white out whatever and, and put in what we want to accept or what we want to say God has accepted. No, we want to say, okay, this is what God says, and this is where it ends. It doesn't go beyond that. And so, okay, of course, the last one here is anoint the most holy, which that would be Christ's anointing. Now, that could have been, uh, you know, on the first, uh, Christ on the cross, and his his ascension could have been the first anointing. Mm -hmm. Or it could have been at the millennial reign. It, it, it all depends. It could have been any, but see, but we know that Christ was anointed King of King, Lord of Lords, right? And it, that, this might have been the final thing that was done, seventy A.D. Okay, where he was, he's reigning King of Kings, Lord of Lords on his return, maybe. All those seven things it appears to be done. Now we're going to read, continue to read in Daniel chapter nine about what happens during this time, and it, it all makes sense. This is why I'm saying this all been completely fulfilled, and we just have to believe it and read it. So go ahead and read. We've only done one verse so far in this show. <laughs> and we're already quite a bit into it. But let's go ahead and go to verse 25 and continue on from there. And you shall know and understand that from the going forth of the command for the answer and for the building of Jerusalem until Christ the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. And then the time shall return and the street shall be built and the wall and the times shall be exhausted. Christ is going to come within that, that time frame. And, you know, he gives, they kind of give a time frame for, and they even mention Christ by name. So you know that's Jesus Christ, obviously. Mm -hmm. He's the Christ. The anointed one is Jesus Christ. Right. Anointed one means Christ. This is talking about, obviously, Jesus Christ. So this is why everyone admits that this prophecy is about Christ. They just don't admit that it's been fulfilled yet. Because it doesn't fit into their theology right. of all those things happening. Oh, no more sin in that city. Well, that hasn't happened yet. So it must have been delayed somehow. It must not have happened. Right. Let's go ahead and continue on here in verse... And after the 62 weeks, the anointed one shall be killed. And there is no judgment in him. And he shall destroy the city and the sanctuary with the prince that is to come. And they shall be cut off with a flood... And to the end of the war, which is rapidly completed, he shall appoint the city to desolation. Okay, so when Christ died, it basically he appointed that city to desolation because they were guilty of bloodshed yeah. of the Christ. The city of Jerusalem became guilty because it was a place that killed the Son of God. Right. And so it was essentially guilty and that's the reason why it was to, to, to go to desolation. So that was judgment for the Yes, city. this is a judgment for killing, God's judgment for killing his son. Right. And, and Christ actually gave, I'm going to have to do another show, uh, some parables he gave. What they did was when they killed Jesus Christ, the, the Jews did, and the Romans, they were both guilty of shedding the son of God's blood which was innocent blood. So as a result, there was judgment. They pronounced upon themselves judgment against that city, and it was to be desolated. This is what the abomination of desolation was really all about. Right. Is a judgment against Jerusalem 
for killing a son. For their participation in killing For their participation son. in killing the son of God. Yes. Okay. And so they put it upon themselves. In other words, they put a curse upon themselves because they rejected the son of God. This is what was going on. Jesus was warning them too. Okay. In number of parables that he gave, you're trying to kill me. And if you do that, guess what? You're going to be putting that whole town. And that's the reason why later on Jesus warns the town. Well, you know what? You did. You're, you're putting me to death, and guess what's going to happen to you now? You're putting yourself under judgment, and, and you, you, this whole city is going to get destroyed in the future. Right. And that's exactly what happened 40 years later. Okay, The, the city was completely destroyed and wiped. That's why I'm saying I don't think that the place that they have is Jerusalem is right. the real place because it got almost completely wiped out and well, destroyed. And they're like, oh, it's still there. It's like, whatever. And that's also because that was in God's plan. So that he can make a new Jerusalem. Well, we're going to get to that here in a moment. But, okay, let's go ahead and continue on here. Um, so that pronounce judgment upon the city to desolation. Go ahead and verse 27. 27. And one week shall, shall establish the covenant with many. And in the midst of the week, my sacrifice and drink offering shall be taken away. And on the temple shall be the abomination of desolation. And at the end of the time, an end shall be put to the desolation and to the sacrificial system and that's what the abomination mm-hmm. of desolation was really all about is it's basically putting into the into the old covenant system right. the abomination of desolation it's all going to be over and done with going to be completely destroyed now jesus gives a prophecy and so that's how we know exactly when this happened this abomination of desolation we know exactly when this happened because jesus even warns in matthew chapter 24 about this abomination of desolation and we're going to read Verses 15 through 22. And Jesus talks about this particular prophecy. uh, And he tells us, oh, just go read Daniel up there. And he he actually prophesies about this too. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Okay, so here Jesus is stating, is like, when you see this happening, he's talking to the people that is was in, you know, the, the crowd that he was right. actually talking to there. He says, when you see this event happening, then you'll know that, and this is spoken of by Daniel the prophet. So we know that we just read Daniel the prophet. He talks about the abomination of desolation. There. Remember, and we know that it was back then. How do we know this for a fact? Well, it says here, those in Judea. Well, right now we don't have a Judea right now. Mm-hmm. Judea is, there's not a single country in another place on earth that's called Judea anymore. Right. But they knew in Judea, the people that were in Judea, that they, they knew, hey, the judgment was coming down. This was going to happen during them, their lifetime. This was, well, this was back then in their time. So let's go and continue to read there, and that they were supposed to flee to the mountains. Right. The people in Judea at that during that day and age. Go ahead and verse 17. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. That's going to be the start of the tribulation period. Mm-hmm. He even states it right there. It's See, a lot of people today, in most churches, they're waiting for the tribulation. <laughs> Didn't they read the scripture here that Jesus said? It, it, it's talking to the people in Judea. Mm-hmm. Okay? 
the Judeans were the ones that were going to have to deal with the tribulation because that happened in that in during their time frame. And so he even states puts the word tribulation in there. People think, oh, it's coming on right now. No, okay. So <laughs> I have to clarify this: the, de the deception going on right now, and and a clarification that I've seen online in in people's posts and people sharing these posts is one that when Jesus returns, he's not coming to North America. He's coming to his people in Israel. Well, here's the point. It was Judea. And if there's no Judea, then how can he even come to them? Because he already did. It's Judea that he's talking to. Mm -hmm. And he says, oh, the great tribulation is going to happen to Judea there. He was warning them about this great tribulation that was going to come upon them. Right. And he said, hey, when you see this happening... Flee to the mountains. Don't go back for your stuff. Hopefully it won't happen on the Sabbath day. Hopefully it won't happen because, you know, n n people that are pregnant with nursing babies. Right. You know, this is what he was warning them about. That wasn't to us. That was to that generation there, Judea, that was going to have to go through the Great Tribulation, which that was the worst. And so I tell people the Great Tribulation is in our past. Why do I say that? Because Jesus kind of states it right there. Right. Jesus states it's to the Judeans the people of that place, that's where all this was going to happen, where the abomination of desolation was going to happen, and all that stuff. All that was to happen back then, and it wasn't for us today. And this was the time of the end, folks. The time of the end was, this is the, the, what he's describing is the end of the age. Mm -hmm. And the beginning of what he calls the age to come. And that's what we're, actually, we're in the age to come. Right. Jesus, I mean, and we're going to go over the scriptures and talk about the age to come here. The thought about that is... People want to think, oh, we're going through this hardship right now, the church and our society and the degradation and all. It's got to be tribulation and the mark of the beast and all of this going on because they want to explain away the evil going on in the world today. Well, let me just explain this. Yes, there's evil today, but nothing as it was back then. But get, get this thought. The reason this was happening to them was because of a judgment mm -hmm. on their behavior yep, yep. and actions. They killed the Son of God. It was their judgment. Exactly. Yep. So I'm not saying that we aren't going to face a judgment for the way we're living, but it's not going to be to the ramifications that they had to go through because, or that would be coming down on them because of that. Well, see, today, of course, our judgment is individual judgment upon right. death. We don't get judged corporately anymore. God, mm -hmm. God's done away with all that because that was all during that, that was the, the that, that age. Right. We're in the age to come now to where our judgment comes at death, where... We just live our lives, either good or bad, right. and then we get judged. And we either get judged where we get rewarded with salvation. eternal life, with mm -hmm. salvation, or we get judged, get condemnation. Right, right. Okay, we get condemned. We're going to read the scripture that, that I'm going to prove to this, this okay? <laughs> See, it was the age to come that we're living in now that we're able to receive eternal life. And that's on new earth, folks. This is why I'm trying to say, and right now, this is the great news what I'm sharing with you on this show that really no one else is sharing with you is the good news is that we are going to be resurrected mm. bodily. Okay. Now I believe in a physical bodily resurrection from the dead folks. Right. I don't believe in some fake spiritual resurrection. No, when Jesus rose from the dead, you could touch his body. Yes. Okay. Yes. It was, it was eternal. It was immortal. It was a different body than the one he had before because, but you could still see him. You could touch him. He was like the angels. The angels you could see and touch as well. 
It wasn't a figurative. Yeah, it wasn't some figurative, oh, he's only a spirit being in heaven scenario. No, you could touch him physically. He could eat food, and you're going to be eating food. You could see his scars. See his scars and everything else. Mm -hmm. So, you see, this is our physical resurrection is going to be that way, but we're going to have immortal bodies. So now we're going to go over the scripture that that talks about that. In Mark chapter 10, verse 29, it talks about two ages. Jesus talks about two ages. We're going to give a couple scriptures here to talk about this. There's the age that that the the audience that they were talking to, which is, which is is Jesus says it's this age. And then there was a coming age. That's the one we're living in folks. We're living in the coming age. This is what what are sometimes called the age to come. And that's the one where, as a matter of fact, we could be, depending on how you you word it, we could be actually in the third age because the millennial reign could have been the the second age. And then we're actually, but anywhere beyond that age, was the age to come, essentially. So we're, there's multiple ages that are going to keep going throughout all mm-hmm. human history. Mm-hmm. And even beyond our uh, lifetimes, there'll be ages to come, I'm sure. We're going to read Mark chapter 10 because Jesus actually tell, gives us some very good news about this age to come. And this is what I, I'm trying to share with you because no one is talking about the real good news here. I don't right. talk, I'm not talking about the fake good news that you hear about in most churches these days. I'm talking about the real good news. Mark chapter 10, verse 29 and 30. Now, what was going on is this was a story of the rich young ruler. Right. Most people know the story that's been in the church any mad time. Because there's this rich guy saying, oh, what must I do to retain eternal life? And he goes, you know, well, keep the commandments. And he goes, well, I, I do all those commandments. And he goes, well, here's what you probably need to do. You need to sell all you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. And he couldn't do that because he was so wealthy that, you you know, his wealth was dragging him down, essentially. He couldn't just give all that up to follow Christ. Apostles, they were baffled by this. Because they were looking at this rich young guy as what the typical American looks at. You know, he's looking at this guy like, man, this guy had his all. He's rich. He's got a spirit. He he follows all the commandments. Man, this guy has the life that everyone was wanting. Well, he wanted the, the checklist. Give me the checklist. I want to be able to check it all off so I can make sure I'm going to get there. And then the easiest, probably, of all of the things on that list, he couldn't do. Well, and then, of course, the apostle asked him, man, if this guy can't get in, who can? Right. And he's like, this is what Jesus' response to them was all about. Because they were thinking, man, this is everybody was trying to achieve with this guy. And that's the same way in the churches today. You oh, know, yeah. Same exact way. What do they do? Everybody wants to be wealthy fit in, in materialism. And they want to have a good spiritual life. And that's what all these churches teach these days. Well, but, you know, one thing we learn about in the Rich Young Ruler story is that that's not always a good a good combination. All this stuff that we have, the legacy we need to be leaving yes. is the next generation. Are they going to be better off spiritually than right. us? Because we can't really take things with us, but spiritually we can leave a legacy behind. Yes. And I appreciate my paternal grandfather who actually left this legacy of putting God and Christ First, of course, you know, he was deceived like everybody else back in those. He didn't understand all this stuff that I'm teaching you today because he, but he still had a heart for God yes. and he had a heart for Christ. And this is what he left behind that legacy because, you know, his, his father never went to church or any kind of relationship right. with God. He started that legacy. And this is what I want everyone to start a legacy of their own with their family so that the next generations after them can leave that legacy behind. But let's go ahead and continue on this story in Mark. This is a response Jesus gives to, well, man, if this guy can't make it in, who can scenario. Go ahead and read Mark chapter 10, verse 29. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, 
there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. Who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. The age that they were living in. You know, they they were going to have all that stuff. But the age to come, that's the age we're living in, folks. Right. Is eternal life. This is how you know that right upon our death, when we overcome to the end, we're going to receive eternal life. He, Jesus states there, the age to come, which was not the age that they were living in because that happened at 70 AD. Mm -hmm. That was the next age. That age would be the age of eternal life. Mm -hmm. This is why the age we're living in, folks, this is why the, we were living in the, we have the great news here. Everyone in the biblical times, they were looking forward to the age that we're living in now so that they can receive eternal life immediately right. upon enduring to the end of this life. They didn't have that hope. We have that hope. The age, eternal life is in the age to come, and that's the age we're living in now. Right. Well, Paul even talked about it, but run the race and receive the prize. He talked about that, too. And I think, if you think about it, it's like a candle. You burn it. When it's, you know, you're brand new and then it goes down slow and lower until the candle itself is all burnt up. That's a person's life. They start and then as they grow, they maybe become wiser and understanding or, you know, hopefully they would. But it's your lifespan on how you live and how it's, it's shining because we are a light. The Bible, you know, talks about being a, a light that's not put, don't put your, the light, uh, a bushel over the light. We are to shine. For the Lord. That is the epitome of the explanation of what we should be doing. And we should be doing that not only in our lifetime, but sharing that for the lifetimes of others and our families and the people in our communities for years and years to come. But just because we have eternal life that's in this age, right? Doesn't mean it's going to be a sin-free age, folks. No. That city, and let us explain to you before in Daniel 9, that city was on is New Jerusalem, he was talking about there. On New Earth. He, this is what he was talking about there. But the earth we're living on, what's known as first earth or old earth, if you, you have to go back and see some of my old shows to understand all this, there's still a lot of trials and struggles we have to go through. Now, the next scripture that we're going to go over, Jesus states, oh, the age to come, it's not going to be no perfect age. Right. He even Jesus even states this. I'm going to give you the biblical proof that you need. <laughs> Hammer this home. That there's not going to be, oh, a sin-free time in the age to come because there's eternal life available. Mm. No. We're going to have to go through trials and struggles too like everybody else. We just receive that upon our death from this life. We receive eternal life if we've endured to the end of this life. Right. That's the good news. The good news is if we endure to the end, all we have to do is just overcome and see through all this deception in the world. Right. And just put our trust and faith in Christ, live a holy and godly life, stop sinning and doing all this nonsense that the world's uh, spitting out for us to do. We'll endure to the end of this life and we'll receive great rewards. Mm -hmm. And we'll receive eternal life. That's all we have to do. This is what the satanic forces don't want us to know. Right. They don't want you to know that we are at the place in, in history where eternal life can come to us. Immediately upon our death, and before in biblical times, no, they had to wait for the age that we're living. Mm -hmm. But we're living in that age now, so we immediately get that now. But there's going to be still sin involved in this age. We're going to read Matthew chapter 12. 
And everybody who knows anything about, you know, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit that's been in the church any amount of time. This is that scripture, right? Jesus talks about this sin of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. He talks about this. So let's go ahead and read that scripture in Matthew chapter 12, verse 32. Go ahead. And whoever should say a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But the one who should speak against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in the present age nor in the one about to be. There's this age, you're not going to be forgiven of this sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And neither will you be in the age to come. Mm. That's the one sin, I guess, in the Bible that you cannot be forgiven. But the point is, is so this Jesus declared here a number of things. See, I always look at the details of these, these scriptures. Mm -hmm. Jesus is declaring there's, there was gonna, it wasn't going to be like a sin-free time in the age to come. Because here you have blasphemy of the Holy Spirit that's not going to be forgiven in either that age or in the age to come or the one to come. Mm. And that's the one we're living in now. But mm -hmm. right now we live in a day and age where of sin, depravity, and everything else. I'm just trying to bring this up to you. We know exactly when the age to come started. And we're going to go back to Daniel chapter 12. And Daniel chapter 12 gives us exactly the time frame mm. of when the age to come is about to, about to transpire. And then we'll finish off with this passage of scripture here because this is a great one. Daniel 12 tells us, and he gives us exactly how many days was going to be until the age to come was going to start. See, when he talks about the end, he was talking about the end of the age. See, Daniel never went beyond the end of the age that Jesus was living in. He never went into the next age. There, there, matter of fact, there's very few past, very few prophecies in the Bible that go into the next age, the age that we're living in, right. except for Ezekiel, maybe. He's the only one that really went in the age to come. Every other prophecy ever given in the Bible was talking about that age because it all ended at the, at the end of that age, right. in 70 AD. That was the, the key year of the end of the age and in the beginning of of the basically the Christian age. Right. And that's the age to come, and most of these Old Testament prophecies don't go beyond that. Okay. So go ahead and read Daniel chapter 12, and we'll start with verse 9 there. And he said, Go, O Daniel, cover and seal up these words. For there many who are chosen, and they'll be dressed in white robes. By fire they'll be purified, and thereafter they'll all be made holy. But the sinners will continue to sin. And they won't be seeking knowledge. From the time the abomination of desolation arrives and the sacrificing comes to an end is 1,290 days. We know exactly when the abomination of desolation is according to Daniel and according to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus was saying how, hey, when you see all these things in Judea, he's talking to the people in Judea, mm -hmm. that's going to be a time of great trial and struggle during this time. It's going to be the great tribulation they're going to be going through. That's why I'm saying it's already in a rearview mirror. Praise the Lord for that. We don't have to worry about the great tribulation coming. The abomination of desolation arrives. He tells you how many days. He tells you exactly how many days there was going to be after the abomination of desolation. Until essentially the end. Till the end. He gives us, and when he's talking about the end of the age, and he gives you the, uh, how many days? 1,290 days. That I think the days all the way until Christ returned. Hmm. Until his return of Christ, the, when the first resurrected, ha the first resurrection happened, and of course the judgment, and of course Armageddon started and all right. that stuff. Okay, that was that date when he came and kicked Bubba and the angels. Christ and the holy angels came down. Okay, mm -hmm. fine. That was one thousand two hundred ninety days after the abomination of desolation, which is about three and a half years. Okay, 
And that was when that transpired. Okay, that was when all that, all those events, when the resur- when the resurrection of the first resurrection of the dead happened, Christ came back with the holy angels, and of course Armageddon event and all that. And of course that started the seven bo- bowls, seven seals, seven trumpets, and all that stuff in Revelation that we see. All the judgment against the nations and all that kind of stuff right. that were in the living and the dead. But there's another number he gives, and this is coming to the great white throne judgment. And this is what we're going to read next, because verse 12 tells us exactly how many days to the great white throne judgment, I believe. And all of those will be blessed, whoever endure all the way to the end of the 1,335 days. Okay, so 45 days later, after the, the, the first resurrection of the dead and Christ's return, you have 45 days later is when you have the great white throne judgment. And how do we know this? you got to keep reading Daniel here. (laughs) Because the angel tells Daniel what's going to happen at the end of those 1,335 days. So 45 days later. So it took, I guess it took that war was a 45-day war. This is one more thing we learned. The judgment against the nations and all that took 45 days. Mm. There's 45 days it took from the time that Christ returned to the time that the war was over, and that it was time to judge the world with justice. Wow. All the dead were judged. The warehousing of the dead and all that stuff, everyone was judged. And, of course, go ahead and read the last verse, because this is what Daniel was going to receive at the end of those days. The 1,335 days at the Great White Throne Judgment. This is what he was going to receive. Right. Go ahead. Now you'll go to your rest until the day and hour arrives, for then you'll be resurrected. And you'll receive your inheritance after those days reach their end. So we know for a fact, Daniel was at 1,335 days from the time of the abomination of desolation, which is three and a half years later, a little bit more than that, was the great white throne judgment. Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't just Daniel that was going to receive his reward and his inheritance. It was everybody else too. And we have proof of that because even in that chapter, Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, okay, we're going to read that one here. And verse 4, it's, it, it really states this. Go ahead and read Daniel tw- chapter 12, verse 2. And it, it, here we know we're basing this on context of who, what was going to happen at the end of those days. Okay. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to reproach and everlasting shame. What did it say there? It said some. Why did it say some? Because we, we know this is after the first resurrection. See, the first resurrection already a number of people were already resurrected at that right. point. So this is why he he, the, he couldn't legitimately say all will be resurrected like some of the other ones do. Jesus states all will be resurrected at the end. Of course, he wasn't stating, he wasn't splitting up the first and second resurrection like this one was. Right. But here, the angel is saying how many will, will, will the, the good and the bad are going to get resurrected here. So this is how we know if this is a great white throne judgment. Is 1,335 days... From the time of the abomination of desolation is when the Great White Throne Judgment happened. That was well into our past. That was 70 AD. That was 45 days after after the return of Christ back in the first century. Right. In 70 AD, right, right in that, that area. Almost 2,000 years ago now, all this transpired. And now we've been in the age to come since that time. Daniel has stated it perfectly. And, we, and based on context of scripture, everyone was going to get resurrected. All the dead were resurrected at that time. The wicked got got resurrected. They got punished based on what they've done. When we die, we're going to get resurrected now. It sets a pattern. 
Yep. Yeah. We now know what, what we have coming our way. It's super easy to understand well, it all this. it just makes sense that if they will be judged for how they lived, and those who had to go through the Armageddon and the abomination of desolation because of what they did to the Son of God, then so will we have to be judged and be held accountable for our actions. My two earth eschatology is the only one that explains this scripture in a way that makes sense. Most people either say, oh, that hasn't happened yet because we haven't had the great right. white throne so judgment happen. Wipe it off. Or they'll say, like the preterists, the full preterists will say, well, that happened, but they're all, everybody's in heaven now. Well, wait a minute. Well, what about the resurrection of the wicked? Everyone is going to be held accountable for their actions. No one's going to get out of it. They were held accountable then. We're going to be held accountable after our lives are through. So everyone is going to have to be held accountable for the way that they lived, the way that they chose to conduct their lives. And then essentially, we're living in the age to come. Yes. The age that Jesus calls the age of eternal... We're, gonna, I mean, we're not going to call it the age to come anymore. We're going to call it the right. age of eternal life. Right. Because that's the age we're living in right now. That's what Jesus declared. The age of eternal life is the age we're living in, folks. This is the this is like this is the greatest news possible. Because yes. all we all we have to do is endure to the end of this life, live a righteous and holy life, and we'll receive our inheritance and our eternal life at the end of our life. If you have been in the church at any point in your young childhood life or, you know, teenhood or whatever, because we're a little bit we're midlife, I guess you could say. But we both have been in the church since we were younger. But the whole excitement to a lot of the scriptures we were raised with was that we would receive everlasting life. That John 3.16 was probably drilled into us so much when we were kids. But that is like the epitome of the reward. And that nothing else seems to matter except for everlasting life. Eternal life. Uh, live eternally. That was one of the songs that we used to sing as a kid. But those are so vitally important. If you were to see... Nothing else matters in today, like belongings and possessions and hierarchy and status and all of that and positions and work and whatnot. That might help to achieve certain things, but in the end, the only thing that really matters is your relationship with God, your relationship with Jesus, how you conduct your life, and how you'll be rewarded for the way you conducted your life. I mean, so many people... Uh, look at that phrase, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well, <laughs> to be told well done, you actually have to do a good job. You actually have to be putting forth an effort and seeing what's really vitally important. And it's not chasing after the things this world says are valuable. It's what God says is valuable. And having a relationship with Jesus and conducting yourself and living your life to glorify God and showing your life out for others is really what's important. Here's all we have to do right now, because we're living in the end of days, or you know what the Bible calls the end of days, right. because we're living in the next age now. The, there's going to be many ages to come. The Bible says, I think we're living in the, from the time of the, the age to come, we're living in the age after that, because we're living beyond the millennial reign of Christ and all that. But all we have to do is endure our life to the end of this yes. age of our life. When you endure your life, you live a righteous and holy life. Mm -hmm. You do what God asks you to do. You live a righteous and holy life. When you when you die, when you perish from this life, you're going to receive immediately a resurrection from the dead mm. on new earth. And not only that, you'll receive an inheritance on that new earth. Mm. 
in New Jerusalem with the streets of gold. Right. See, the streets of gold are not in heaven, folks. Right. The Bible declares they're actually on new earth in New Jerusalem. Exactly. We're going to receive an inheritance in that New Jerusalem, depending on what we've done. And of course, people that are more holy, more righteous, do more, you know, are more zealous for God, they're going to receive a greater inheritance than people that, you know, barely made it in like the thief on the cross scenario. Well, okay. talk about a 401k. <laughs> and this is what's gonna we're going to receive. We're, our reward is waiting for us, but we have to endure the deception of this world. That's, That's right. what my show is really all about. And it's so easy because we don't seem to be under some serious persecution of the church right now. Mm. It's all deception now. Yep. So all we have to do is just listen to my show, make sure you don't get deceived, live a righteous and holy life, be disciplined in the ways of the Lord, and you'll be just fine. Because we live in a very dark, deceptive age. Right. We must be vigilant. We must be manly. We must be fortified, standing firm in the faith, doing everything out of love, not only because it's biblical. Because it's what glorifies God. Join or contact us at satanslowseason.org. This is a non-copyright, living in Satan's little season production.